When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Bunny Michael. Connecting to your higher self is an unlearning process. Unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. Success, fulfilling relationships, self-acceptance, inner peace... All of that begins when we realize that that is what we deserve, what we've always deserved. Aligning with your higher self is an awakening process and it is no easy feat. But as you will learn from the callers on this podcast, our journeys might look different, but our path is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 108. I hope that you're doing well. It's so great to be back here with you. If you are new listening to this podcast, welcome. Welcome to this community. We are all about the practice of connecting with our higher selves. And it's a daily practice. And we're all here helping each other, supporting each other, listening to each other's issue, reminding each other of our connection to our higher self. I also really want to remind everybody that they can send in listener response messages. We love to get them. We love to play them. I love to hear back from you. If you have any input or comments on any of the questions, we would also love for you to make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple on Spotify or wherever you listen. And it would be great to get a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us. So just a little reminder that just a little effort can really help this podcast keep it going. And of course, obviously signing up on our Patreon is really, really the best way to show us some love. I don't know about you, but the past week or the past like five days or so, I've been feeling much more invigorated spiritually. You know, it's funny how when you get a little bit disconnected from spirit or from your connection to your higher self or, you know, just being in alignment of that awareness, like you don't even realize that you're disconnected because that's how awareness works. It's like when you don't have it, you're not aware that you don't have it. And then when you become aware, you're like, oh yeah. Um, And I think all of us probably can relate to sometimes we are like really like in it and then sometimes we're not and then we get back in and we're like oh yeah like yes I remember this feeling yes where have I been oh I'm returning back to my higher self I'm feeling connected I'm feeling aligned and for me what happened was like I got really really busy and I wasn't doing my morning meditation and I wasn't doing my journaling for a little bit there 
and I'm back to it. And boy, does that really, really help. I really think setting the tone in the morning, even if it's just like five minutes to connect your higher self, whether that's through an affirmation or a short meditation or um, writing down a little bit of stuff, but just like centering ourselves in what's really important and what is really important. Love. Love is the most important thing. Love for ourselves, love for each other, love for this planet, love for nature, love for everything we have in our life, love for our work, love for our family, love for our friends. Um, that's what really, really matters. And, and remembering that and staying aligned with that helps sustain us through the ups and downs of this world, through the chaos of this world. Part of being human on this planet right now is having to endure a lot of shit. <laughs> and so how we endure it, how we sustain ourselves is by reminding ourselves what really matters, how whole we already are and how much love and abundance and care and safety that everybody deserves and staying in that light will really get us through. So with that, let's get to the questions. The following question was submitted on our website. Hi, Bunny. Thank you so much for all the love and care you put into this podcast. It's very comforting and invigorating to listen to these days. Trigger warning, emotional abuse. I'm looking for some dating love life advice as someone who was a very late bloomer and whose first romantic sexual experience was very traumatic. Some context about myself. I grew up in an enmeshed family, watching my parents have a loveless and hostile relationship. I experienced parentification and emotional incest at the hands of my narcissistic mother, all while repressing my queerness and sexuality. I've always struggled with my sense of self-worth and feelings of inadequacy, and I have avoided dating for a very long time for fear of rejection. Something that my mother used to say to me growing up, which keeps haunting me, was no one will ever love you more than I do. With this skewed sense of love and the brainwashing of comp het and media, I grew up very confused about what love was supposed to look like. However, now I'm in my early 20s and I have never had a long-term partner or been in a romantic relationship that was clearly defined. I'm ashamed to admit this because I feel that this fact is proof of my being dysfunctional or that I still have a lot of work to do. I've been in therapy for three years on and off, and I've mostly been focusing on healing CPTSD symptoms somatically. I put in a lot of work outside of therapy by listening to podcasts like this and reading self-help books about love and relationships. Though I still find myself single, and while I know there's nothing inherently wrong with this, I'm worried that I won't be able to have the experiences I think I need in order to grow. I have a lot of beautiful friendships in my life, and I've been able to experience vulnerability and emotional intimacy with people, but only platonically. I have a deep longing for a romantic partner who I can experience both emotional and physical intimacy with. I spend a lot of time alone, which I have come to enjoy, but I always feel like something is missing. I know that building intimacy takes time, and I have to try putting myself out there but I still struggle with social anxiety and have a hard time trusting my intuition. I would really love some advice on how to handle the internal struggle I have with myself and with my past while looking for new relationships. Thank you so much. Hello, sweetheart. Well, first I wanna say I am very inspired by 
how much self-awareness you have already built in your early 20s. Your early 20s is very, very young and you already have done all of this inner work. You've been on your healing path for a long time. You know the stuff that you're carrying with you, the things that you want to let go of, the trauma you've been through. You're working on healing it. And that is absolutely amazing. You are doing so, so well. I just want to emphasize that what you've been able to do at such a young age is something that is really difficult for people to do and often takes um, a lot more time to get to, a, a lot more experiences to get to. And I really think you need to be super, super proud of yourself. The thing is, we all have stuff uh, that we bring into our relationships. We all have a past Pretty much all of us have grown up around dysfunction when it comes to romantic relationships, even if it's just, like you said, the influence of popular culture. You know, we all have this distorted view of what love is supposed to look like. And so we have to learn how to define it for ourselves and we have to discover it for ourselves and we have to have experiences that show us and and all of these sorts of things. What I'm getting from your email is that there's a lot of fear around how your trauma, how your experiences are going to prevent you from having a loving um, and fulfilling life. And I and I would like to give you a different perspective on that and say that actually the things that you've been through are going to help you have healthier relationships. They're going to help you experience more joy. They're going to allow you you to have that wisdom where you know what is right for you, what's wrong for you. The difficult things that you've been through and all the hard stuff that you have to heal from is actually making you super, super wise. And you're very, very wise for your age. So rather than seeing those things as a hindrance to you having a loving and fulfilling life and having the relationships that you want in your life, I would actually see that as being very, very helpful because we all have to learn these lessons about what authentic love is and what self-acceptance is and what it means to accept somebody else and their authenticity. And we all have a different curriculum for learning those lessons. And some of our curriculum is more difficult than other people's. And we've all been dealt different cards, but But because we live in this world that's so largely unhealed, we all have to go through this at some point in time and learn this stuff. So you are not alone in it being difficult, right? This stuff is difficult for all of us. It's difficult to love somebody. It's difficult to be vulnerable. It's difficult to heal. It's difficult to be open to bringing somebody new in our life. And at the same time, that influence of dysfunction and that societal influence is also the voice in your head that's telling you, wait a minute, you are in your early 20s and you haven't found a partner yet. There must be something wrong. You are still unlearning your conditioning. And that voice from your mom that said, no one's going to love you more than I do, right? That's also part of coming into your head and saying, well, you're not going to find anybody because no one ever is going to love you as much as your mom. These are things that were put into your head at a very young age. So they're going to be very powerful and they're going to influence your fears. They're going to influence your thoughts. The path of being on our higher self isn't to say that having those thoughts means there's anything wrong. It's to build awareness around those thoughts and say, guess what? 
I can choose today not to go down that path. I can choose today to tell myself, "Mm, none of that is real. I don't believe you. And it's hard. It's hard, but it's a practice. It's actually a practice. It's the practice of building awareness around your thoughts, realizing that you are not your thoughts. You are the awareness behind your thoughts and making a conscious choice in whether you're going to go down that path that day or not. And every single day is different. And sometimes it's easier than other times. But just because you have the awareness that that stuff is like your trauma or your societal conditioning doesn't mean it automatically goes away. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's still going to influence your feelings. It's still going to influence how you see yourself. It's still going to influence your thoughts. But the more you practice disidentifying from those thoughts, the easier it is to let them go, the easier it is to, to replace them. And that's why I started creating those memes on my Instagram where it was like the me thought versus the higher self thought, not to say that I don't think the me thought, right? The fearful thought or the insecure thought or the, you know, inadequate thought. I do, but I'm also adding to that the higher self thought and saying, okay, I have a choice here. I have a choice in what, in what I'm going to buy into. And it's a practice. That's why I started doing them every single day. Not because I was like, Ooh, this is going to make me like popular on Instagram. No, I just basically was having like an emotional breakdown. And I was like, I have to just literally dissect all of these thoughts and literally replace them so I can start practicing switching that up. So let's get really literal and talk about like, okay, the, say the thought, for example, like, no one is going to love me or I'm too old to find a long-term partnership, how can you replace that? How can you practice choosing differently and just doing it one day at a time? And that could mean like having different affirmations to remind yourself of. And, you know, there's nothing really glamorous about this practice or this path, this spiritual path, it's it's literally just like the most humbling thing because it's literally just like giving up on the need to be like totally healed and free of all this stuff and really just saying like, you know what, I, I'm just going to accept myself for the stage of my journey I'm at right now. And the more you accept what is, the easier it is to grow, the easier it is to heal And the easier it is to realize that like meeting a new partner, finding a long-term relationship, that's going to be great and it's definitely going to happen. But just because that happens doesn't mean you've totally healed your trauma. Just because you find somebody doesn't mean you're not still going to be dealing with this stuff. So putting that kind of pressure on yourself to find somebody and think that that's going to mean that like your dysfunction is no longer affecting you. Trust me, your dysfunction is still going to show up and that new relationship is just going to take a different form. So the long-term partner, as symbolic as that might seem to be like, okay, I've moved past this because I found somebody. The truth is, and what we talk about and what you even said in your email, you know that finding that person isn't 
the solution. So putting so much weight into that is actually blocking you from just being open to maybe meet somebody, maybe not. And even if you do meet somebody who's great, it might not last <laughs> or it or it might be amazing. But like our whole life is relationships, experiences, ups and downs. It's never going to be perfect. And we're always going to have to actively practice self-acceptance and self-love and connecting with our higher self and knowing that we have always been whole, always. And it's from that place that we can actually enjoy ourselves a little bit, where we can be open and be down and be like, okay, my heart is open to having that experience. I trust the universe is giving me exactly what I need right now. And there is no such thing as too old. There is no such thing. And by the way, you're very, very young. And I know that like, it might not seem, it might, you might seem like there's something wrong because you haven't had a long-term partner, but there's, there's, there's so many different ways that people live their life and there's so many different paths. And trust me, like just having a long-term partner does not make your life any easier. But I know that you will eventually experience that. And that's going to open up a whole other set of things <laughs> that you're going to have to work on healing too, right? So there's no rush. There's no rush. You're doing so, so, so well. It's just about acknowledging these thoughts aren't real. And every day, all of us have to give ourselves that, that grace. Um, not that there's something wrong that we have triggers, that we have wounds, but that we aren't our wounds. And we can give them kisses like, oh, I see you over there with that fearful thought or that wound or that conditioning. I can, I see you over there, huh? You know, I know you. But I choose something else today. I'm choosing my higher self today, babe. Sorry. I'm choosing to tell myself that I am going to have an amazing life full of love, full of joy. I have love all around me right now. I'm doing so well. These are the things that we have to tell ourselves. No one's going to do it for us. We have to do it for ourselves. And so I'm here to remind you and everybody who's listening to this podcast, we're all here together reminding each other of this truth. And that's why we need things like this. We need constant reminders. So thank you so much for sending in your questions. So I can remind you again, you're doing amazing. Keep it up. I'm sending you so much love. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, Bunny. My name is Jackie, and I have been dealing with the fallout of a breakup. Um, my ex-partner and I had been together for eight years and were engaged, but 
six months after he proposed, he abruptly decided that he did not want to be with me anymore. Um, since then, I've really been struggling with coming to terms with the, the entire relationship. Um, since then, I have looked back and realized a lot of red flags that I kind of ignored due to my desire to stay with him. Um, some of those red flags were like him not continuing to tell me that he was going to do certain things like educate himself on neurodivergency so that he could be a better partner to me, but he never did. Some of them were him reaching out to other women or other people in general in ways that made them uncomfortable um, because they were somewhat sexual in nature. And um, that happened multiple times, and I, I looked past it because I felt like he was being honest with me when those things came to light. Um, and I'm also just struggling because at the point when we broke up, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I had been with him for basically all of my 20s, and now I'm struggling to learn how to date basically, um, for the first time as a 30-year-old in a dating world that has greatly changed since the pandemic. Um, and I'm also trying to navigate more queer dating spaces as well, um, which has been difficult since I don't have any experience. Um, another thing is that our what would have been our wedding date is coming up. And he already has a new girlfriend and our mutual friends. We still have mutual friends. So luckily they have respected my boundaries and not um, had us around at the same times. But my question basically is what advice do you have to help me unpack all of this eight years of stuff that I can't seem to let go of. It's been almost two years since the breakup, and I still find myself um, caught up on a lot of the things that it it left me with. So thank you so much for answering my question, if you get around to it, and thank you so much for all that you do. I love the show and your Instagram, so keep on keeping on. Thanks. Hi, love. I'm sorry that this situation has been so challenging for you and you were together for eight years and that is a very long time. So putting this kind of pressure on yourself to be like completely let go of that experience or to have totally moved on or not think about it is just an unrealistic expectation. It takes a really long time. And the longer the relationship was, the longer it takes to feel like you can let go of that pain or that anger. And I think like there is a lot of anger there. There is a lot of valid anger there because 
you loved this person, you gave them your full heart, you gave them trust, forgiveness. And yet, even though you put so much into that, he ended it, right? So there's a lot of anger and pain and sadness and grief. Um, There's a lot of lessons out of that. There's a lot of things you can learn about trusting yourself and trusting your red flags and holding people up accountable. And you're going through that process right now. Like you're realizing all of this stuff and it takes time. And in the beginning of a breakup, like first is just about maintaining like your sanity, right? It's like just trying to get through it day by day, just trying to survive. And then afterwards, later, there comes all of these realizations and these lessons and and seeing stuff that you didn't see before. And now that you have some distance, but all of this healing is what I would call it from the breakup. It takes time. So you're not like in a place that is bad or holding you back from life. You're in a healing stage and all of these realizations you have are so, so important to your future because this is going to help you have healthier relationships in the future. And unfortunately, we often in romantic relationships, the only way we really know what works and what doesn't work is like trial and error, unfortunately. I mean, so many of the people listening right now, I'm sure have had that relationship that was like, really hard or that breakup that like really hurt or, you know, that feeling of humiliation or maybe they were cheated on and and it's like so, so hard. But had they not gone through that, they really wouldn't understand what it really takes to have a healthy relationship. And this is yours, right? This is your experience. It's this, this really difficult curriculum um, about what you deserve in a relationship. What I think can help you is to start to separate your new dating life from seeing it through the lens of this past relationship or this past breakup. Because right now you are looking at these dating apps or you're looking at this queer scene that you want to get involved in and you're seeing how hard it is or how apprehensive you are. You're feeling insecure, maybe inadequate. And you're seeing it all through the lens of the breakup and through the lens of that past experience, right? It's like whenever you're struggling with a dating app, it kind of triggers your feelings of the breakup. Whenever you are feeling fearful about meeting somebody new, it triggers the feelings of the breakup, right? So there's this like constant trigger about the breakup whenever any issue around romance comes up. And that's totally understandable because... It's, you want to just lump your whole romantic life into like one, one big clump. But I think part of the healing is to actually start separating that stuff. Like, okay, my healing from the breakup is over here and I'm dealing with that. I'm learning from that. And that's something I'm going to actually keep growing and learning from for a long time, even in my next relationships, honestly, because we are, we still learn from our old relationships, even when we meet somebody new. But over here is my new dating life. This is my new romance life. And it's not about my breakup. It's not about him. This part of me, this dating life, who I want to be, who I want to meet, this is about me only. This is about what sounds fun to me, 
how I can feel good about myself, what I'm comfortable with, how I'd like to have fun, what I want to be in this world and how I want to show up in this world over here in this part of my life is different than who I have to be when I'm like healing that past stuff. So creating like space around your sense of who you are as a romantic person, who you are in your erotic life, who you are as an individual in that and not connected to your breakup and the healing that you're doing from that breakup. And it's kind of just like a slight psychological energetic shift. And it's not like it happens automatically, but what I'm saying, she can start planting those seeds, like saying, yes, I'm going to be healing from this eight year relationship for a while. Like that's just part of what's happening, right? I'm going to get triggered when his name comes up. It's going to suck. I'm going to have to navigate boundaries. I'm going to have to deal with this stuff for a while. But I can still have a completely separate dating life. I can still go out there and have fun. I can still show up as my authentic self and have an open heart and know that there's a lot of awesome people out there, really kind people, really cool people, people like me, people I can learn from, people I can be friends with, people I can have a hookup with. It's all out there, right? So when we go through difficult times in our life, like there's a really rough time right afterwards where we're literally just grieving and we're literally just trying to make it day by day, like just to breathe. And then we enter the stage where it's like, okay, like we're learning how to balance the two things. We're learning how to still live our life and have fun and also know that we're going to get triggered by the stuff, that we're working on it, that we're going to therapy, that we're journaling about it, that we're setting aside time to deal with that healing. But at the same time, knowing that that stuff isn't our whole life. It's not our whole experience and that you deserve new experiences. So as much as you can, not bringing that energetically into the space. Every time you get on the dating app, it's not about him. It's not about your past. It's about what you want now. And so what I would do that might be helpful is to write a list. Write a list of things that you're looking for in a person that you want to manifest in your dating life. It doesn't have to be like meeting the one. It can literally be like going out and having a good time, making new friends, trying something new, being courageous, smiling at people. Like it could be literally just like, who do you see yourself as now? Who are you now? What do you want now? And trying to be really present with that and giving yourself that space, opening that door for yourself. Letting yourself embrace a new day, right? Doesn't mean that the past isn't going to be part of your life. It's part of all of our lives, but it's not the whole story. And the more we can like tend to the new, the more energy and focus we can put into the present moment and the joy of the present moment and into loving ourselves now, Actually, that will help us heal the past better. 
So I hope that's helpful. And another thing I just want to say real quick before I wrap up is that the best part about being queer or being in queer spaces is that it's the most accepting spaces. Like people in queer spaces are so accepting, like of all different types of people. <laughs> like it's the best place to be, honestly, um, in so many ways. And especially if you're new and if you're open about being new, like if you're like, yeah, I'm just like nearly feeling, figuring this out, like that is so cool. Like you will be embraced, right? Not saying everybody is like perfect, but it is a great place to be in. So have fun. Let yourself have some fun. And yes, the dating apps are not fun. A lot of the times there's lots of aspects about it that feel very dehumanizing, but you can show up as you, as your authentic self. You can be kind. You can be loving. Like, there's a lot of kind, awesome people out there. There really is. So it's really about like what you're trying to focus on, what you want to manifest. Write it down. Take a deep breath. Let the sun in. It's a new day. The following question was submitted on our site. Hi, Bunny. First, let me say how grateful I am for you. You are a wonderful, non-judgmental, uplifting person, and I'm really glad you exist. I've listened to you on Saw's podcast, Ghost of a Podcast, and heard about your own podcast through the plug from the podcast, Just Break Up. Anyway, I'm writing to you from not a place of intense loneliness, but a place where I fear that I might get there soon. I just moved abroad to a foreign country three weeks ago to study for my master's. This isn't my first time studying abroad, so you'd think I'd be chill about making friends and the whole process, but I always feel like I don't know what I'm doing or how to foster deep connections with people. Maybe a better way to phrase this is that I fear initiating. So even if I meet someone and I like them, I will somehow find a way to not get their number, etc. I feel like I end up giving out my number to people that I know I don't vibe with as well. And usually it goes sideways. Also, yeah, I definitely have social anxiety. Over the years, I noticed that when I was abroad or even at work, environment at home, I was miserable with people that I called friends, but didn't really feel seen by them. And it would take me much longer to find people I felt good around. I would spend time trying to please those I didn't feel accepted by and make it so that there was nothing about me they could possibly take issue with. But obviously that in itself is a major issue. Eventually I would end up hurting because they would actively ignore me in a group hangout or be extremely rude to me and ditch me, etc. I know I don't want to spend my time with people who I don't feel completely supported or comfortable with, and I am being a little more selective with who I actively seek to spend time with. But since I have these standards and also don't really like going out or staying out late, I feel like I'm limiting myself. And the truth is, I don't want to be alone most of the time. I love being with people and really want a close group of friends over here and even a partner, maybe that would be nice. So this is just a letter describing my challenges with how to make friends as a person in their late 20s with social anxiety in combination with the fear of being lonely, not necessarily alone. 
any input as far as how to not stress over making friends and soothing my anxiety over it would be appreciated. Thank you so much. Hi, babe. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast would probably agree that sometimes when we get older, it's a little bit harder to make friends. And that could be because your social life has changed. You know, maybe you don't want to go out every weekend or go to the club or um, you need to get home early because of your job and, you know, you're just not available in the same way. And then there's also the issue of you kind of knowing yourself better and getting a little bit more selective over who you want to share your energy with or having a little bit more intimacy um, in in that type of environment. And then there's also just how we grew up. And for some of us, you know, making friends doesn't always come easier. Like we have more anxiety in social situations or it takes us a little bit longer to open up. And we get a little nervous around people that we don't know. So there's all of these different things going on in the background. And then there's also the fear, right? The fear of like, I don't have enough friends or uh, not enough people like me. So we're all carrying this stuff. And you mentioned in your email how you need to have certain boundaries around certain things. Like you don't want to go out all the time. You don't like hanging out with people people who treat you a certain way. And I just want to emphasize that unfortunately in life, we can't always have everything we want in exactly the way we want it in the most comfortable way, right? We have to make choices, sometimes difficult choices in order to be happy. So you move to a foreign country in order to get your master's degree. Part of that is sacrificing your social world, um, having to meet new people, having to put yourself out there in a way that's difficult. But it's worth it because you want to be there. You made that choice to be there. So, and in order to meet people that you really like or hang out with people that you really like, you might have to get out of your comfort zone again and ask them for their number when you really want to ask them for their number. Or if you have to go home early because you need to get in bed, you need to take care of yourself, that means you might have to sacrifice being social that weekend. That means you might be confronted with feelings of loneliness, but it's worth it because you know you need to take care of yourself that night. So we make these choices all of the time. And... Sometimes that means sacrificing things in order to get the other thing. And the way that I feel is the best way to make the choice or the best way to know what to do is to ask ourselves, what would my higher self do in this situation? What would my self-acceptance do? What would my self-love do? What would the knowing that my friendship is a gift, that my time is a gift do, that I'm valuable that I'm whole, just how I am, do? Is my self-acceptance telling me that it's okay to ask somebody for their number? Or is my self-acceptance telling me to be too afraid to do that, right? Because I'm afraid that they won't like me. Is my self-acceptance telling me that it's okay to have some lonely feelings because I'd rather be at home 
taking care of myself than being around people that actually make me feel lonelier because they're not treating me right or they're not valuing me or they're not the type of people that I really click with. And being around people doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to get lonely. So we make all of these choices in our lives and we have to sacrifice certain desires, our comfort zone often in order to get something that we really, really want or that we really, really deserve or that we really, really need, right? So I can't tell you what the right thing to choose is. Only your higher self can tell you that. But what I can tell you that it's not always going to feel easy. And we shouldn't expect it to always be easy. It's just part of life. But the beautiful thing is that when we get out of our comfort zone, we grow. It's like the potted plant thing, you know, like a plant can't um, get bigger in a small pot. And then you have to put the plant in a bigger pot in order for it to get bigger. Um, So, yeah, we have to kind of stretch ourselves out, step out (laughs) in order to receive more sometimes. And sometimes we have to be on our own or have a night of solitude because we really value our sleep. Um, We have to get up early and and our work is really important to us that weekend, more important than, you know, going out. So it's really about what your priorities are. And I think those priorities should be coming from a place of total self-acceptance and knowing that you are enough just in who you are and that you're super, super amazing And it's really, really cool what you're doing. And you obviously are adventurous person. You're a very open person. And I'm sure that there are many people where you are that would love to have you as a friend. Love to have you as a friend. You seem like a lot of fun. I would, I would like, I would meet you for coffee, you know, (laughs) If you came up to me at a coffee shop and asked me for my number, I would go. So give yourself a little more credit. Um, Give yourself a little more love and take it from there. It's true. It's not always going to be easy, but it's, it's way more fulfilling when we step into our own worth. All the best. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you to everybody for sending in questions. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, do all of the things. We really appreciate it. Take care of yourself this week. It's a practice. It's not about it being perfect. It's not about reaching a goal. It's literally about being present, right with yourself, right with your wholeness, accepting yourself wherever you're at in the journey is enough. Okay. I love you so much. And so does your higher self. I will see you next time. Bye.